uh, squared away. Uh, apologetics for ordinary Christians is our is our topic uh, for the for the fall semester. Uh, tonight we're specifically looking at the question: Has science disproved Christianity? Uh, before we do that, I want to provide two updates for you. One is 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 just a little bit of housekeeping uh, on your way in tonight. Uh, you got an opportunity, if you haven't been here uh, for a week, you had an opportunity to pick up Jeff's notes from a previous question that he's answered. Uh, for those of you that, that were aware, last Sunday night we had a, a power issue in downtown Conroe uh, about 20 minutes after we sent out uh, a mass notification to a number of different ministry areas. Uh, all the lights came back on at First Baptist Conroe, so we could have met last week, uh, but we were not able to do that because we'd already sent all the word out, and mainly we lost all of our child care workers. Uh, I did, I did though see that there was a power pole hit in front of Sonic. And everything in front of Sonic was blacked out and shut off uh, last Wednesday night at about 7.15 when I left to go home. So we've adjusted the schedule a little bit. Last week's lesson would have been, can you take the Bible literally? So that one's been bumped to next week, the 12th, and then everything has been bumped a week after that. And so there was a blue piece of paper that was stapled to the, to the front of this week's notes. That is the updated schedule. That way, if you have the old one that was on white paper, you now know we're operating off of the blue paper. Um, I'll be back with you guys in October, uh, later this month, the 26th, and then again on, uh, on November the 2nd when Jeff and some folks from our church in our area are away to the Holy Land. So I'll be back for those two. So Jeff will be back the next couple weeks. I'll be here a couple weeks, and then Jeff will finish out the rest of the, the fall semester. So you've got that. I also wanted to share uh, some good news. If you, if you follow uh, Southern Baptist life closely, you may have seen this, but if not, uh, this past week, uh, both the International Mission Board and the North American Mission Board are two mission-sending agencies uh, that we support both directly through gifts to the cooperative program and also at Christmas time through the Lottie Moon offering and at Easter through the Annie Armstrong offering. They both announced that they had their largest ever fiscal year gifts at the end of this fiscal year. And so that's, uh, I think that's an encouraging sign. The IMB gift uh, was almost $30 million higher than the previous total. Uh, they were they were thinking maybe 170 somewhere give or take and they were over uh, the previous record was about 180 and they were over 200 million dollars received that fiscal year and so we're thankful for that especially in a season when Southern Baptist life has not been so pleasant uh, to hear about that response and individuals and churches responding in such a mighty way with their giving uh, to help support our missionaries uh, in foreign countries to help support our church planters and churches uh, here in North America is just incredible. Uh, and so I'm just, I'm thankful for that. And I hope that you're thankful for that as well. And wanted to share that uh, with y'all before we begin tonight. So you've got some notes, hopefully, if you don't have those, Sharon has those at the back. Uh, and so we're going to try to answer the question tonight, has science disproved Christianity? Uh, in the next 35 to 45 minutes or so uh, will be a very long way of saying no. We could just all pack up and go home, but I want to explain to you why I think the answer is no and help help you uh, receive some some information uh, that I think will be helpful and some encouragement from Scripture that I think is helpful uh, for when you might come across an individual or a group of individuals, either something you read or something you hear directly that says, no, science has proven this, so then therefore this fact about Christianity or this fact about the Bible or, or this event in history, those those are not true things. And so maybe you'll have an opportunity to learn something tonight uh, that will help you. So I want to start with our foundation. And, and I think that our foundation, the Christian worldview, the biblical worldview, our foundation starts at the very beginning of the Bible. 
Now, the first words that you read when you open up Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, say this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so the non-Christian, the person that you're talking with, that you're dialoguing with, that you're hopefully not having an all-out argument with, as we've learned to kind of be smart and be wise in our approach, as you're having a conversation with that individual, they might subscribe to a, the, the Big Bang Theory or some other that, that we just came from nothing and we just now started existing over a period of evolutions over years of and decades and generations and millions of years of something very small then growing to something bigger and something different and then something walking and then something running and all that that we've come into existence in some random way uh, but we believe as Christians and our Bible teaches from its very first verse that God created everything that we see and even everything that we don't see God created the heaven and the earth. And I think that's a really important thing because we see in Genesis chapter 1, we see in Genesis chapter 2 as well the creation story, but then just after those two chapters, we see the next of, of three parts of the, the great biblical narrative. And that's we have creation, God created this world. Uh, for a short season, the world was perfect, designed how He wanted it designed, operating the way that He wanted it to operate, and then the fall happened. And then the whole rest of our Bible is God's redemption story uh, of Him bringing creation back into order. Uh, it's what we as a church family talk about and it's what we as a church staff talk about when we, when we read that tagline in our vision, bringing peace to chaos. There was peace that was present in the beginning. Fall brought chaos into the world and, and the whole rest of time from now until eternity has been God redeeming that creation, bringing peace back into the world. Some of our early church fathers in the Apostles' Creed even recognized this fact, and they, they included this statement, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. See, our God is creative at His very core. Uh, some will, will talk about in the science world, will talk about intelligent design, and I would say, well, then it needs a designer. A painting needs a painter. Anytime that, that we create something, anytime that human beings make a song or make a, a piece of artwork, a, a kid brings something home from school. My, my little nephew yesterday was talking on the phone with me and my sister, and he was, I could hear her telling him that he made Halloween. What he was explaining to her was he made a pumpkin at his, at his pre-K class. But he was saying, I made Halloween. And he was talking about this pumpkin that he had made, that he had colored and drawn and designed this pumpkin. And, and I think that if we are created, if we all would say, you know, we are created by something, then there has to be an argument that there is a creator. Uh, and so as you're sitting there dialoguing with somebody who's alive and breathing, they had to obviously come from somewhere. Science explains biologically how that happens. But, but all of that had to start somewhere with some designer, some planner, and you and I as believers know Him as our Heavenly Father, God. And you and I as believers have experienced a personal relationship with Him, and we're going to talk in a few minutes about maybe where the disconnect comes, where people understand that maybe God does exist, but they haven't experienced Him personally, and so their view of science is not affected by a personal relationship with God the way yours and I's is. So then let's answer this question. What is science? Britannica.com says this way, it's any system of knowledge that is concerned with the physical world and its phenomena, and that entails unbiased observations and systematic experimentation. In general, a science involves a pursuit of knowledge covering general truths 
or the operations of fundamental laws. So it's understanding how and why things operate the way they do. A lot of the reading related to this uh, brought in obviously a different world of science, but, but particularly uh, the book that Jeff has mentioned, uh, the Confronting Christianity book. Uh, Rebecca McLaughlin talked a lot about, there was a whole section in her chapter on this question about the role, specifically how, how, how intertwined mathematics and science are and how, how in, the, in, in these, this system of knowledge, this physical world, these observations and experimentation, mathematics helps explain uh, a lot of these things. And I think it's interesting that as we think about the relationship between Christianity and science, uh, there are some, some Christian ties to some of the most famous scientists that we revere today. Roger Bacon, Bacon and William Oakham were two Franciscan friars who laid the empirical and methodological foundations for the scientific method. Francis Bacon popularized the scientific method and once said, It is true that a little philosophy inclineth a man's mind to atheism, but depth in philosophy bringeth man's minds about to religion. Robert Boyle, memorialized with the naming of Boyle's Law, was a devout Christian, heavily invested in evangelism and Bible translation. And then these three, Isaac Newton, Michael Faraday, and James Maxwell, Albert Einstein had pictures of each of these three men up. Newton believed in God, wrote more about theology than he did about physics. Faraday, best known for his work in the field of electromagnetism, was a passionate Christian, very interested in the relationship between science and Christianity. And then Maxwell, known for his work in the field of physics, was an evangelical Presbyterian and an elder in the Church of Scotland. Now, just because somebody happens to be a Christian and also be a scientist doesn't help us answer the question, has science disproved Christianity? But there are people who are arguing that because science is, you have to, because you have to do the research and do the work and you can't prove that God does exist, so that must mean he doesn't exist. And so you can't be a Christian and be a scientist. If there, if there are people on that side of the equation arguing that, then we as Christians can say, no, hold on. Uh, here's a number of people that, that a lot of scientific work and a lot of research and a lot of years of study and research and writing based on their theories and their principles and their ideas, and they were practicing believers. Uh, Isaac Newton was probably the one that wasn't, was different from the others. He did believe in God. He didn't believe in an incarnated Jesus, but he believed in God. But we see that he wrote about theology just as much, if not more, than he wrote about physics. And so if you have all of these different individuals, and those are just a few, the list goes on and on and on. If you pull out the, if you've got a copy of, of either of those two books that Jeff recommended, uh, both the Tim Keller book, The Reason for God, and Rebecca McLaughlin's book, uh, Confronting Christianity, both of them have several examples of, of Christian men and women who are in uh, leading fields of science today, uh, who are practicing Christians, who are believers, who are walking in their faith, and their faith informs their work, and in turn their work informs their faith. And so yes, I would say that science is very much related to Christianity. And so the big question that we have to wrestle with tonight then is, has science disproved Christianity? Richard Dawkins argues in The God Delusion that one cannot be an intelligent scientific thinker and still hold religious beliefs. He points out that only around 7% of American scientists believe in a personal God. Dawkins, among others, would say most emphatically, yes, science has disproved Christianity. And here are some reasons why, and I want to kind of explain some of those 
and then kind of circle back to a couple things from Scripture at the end of our time together tonight. Three things that you've got there in your notes, and we'll kind of unpack them each a little deeply. But the three things that I think that are some very basic objections that science has to Christianity. One is that miracles are scientifically impossible. And the second one is that science is in conflict with Christianity. The truths of science are in conflict with the truths of Christianity. And then the third one is that evolution disproves the Bible, uh, specifically the creation account. And if you can disprove that, the argument is made that then the rest of it is not true as well. So let's unpack each of these and kind of find out a little bit about where these arguments are coming from. So that way, if you encounter somebody who, who, who has one of these positions or, or, or multiple positions, you, you'll be able to respond to them maybe with some information and with some, some understanding of, of, of what's happening. The first one is this, on miracles being scientifically impossible. I think we have to answer the question, do you trust or not trust the Bible? Because uh, for us as believers, our first experience with miracles is, is reading about them in Scripture. Uh, in fact, uh, our entire faith is built on two miracles, the virgin birth and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, if those two things are not true, we're packing up and going home. Uh, but I think that every person in this room absolutely believes that both of those things are 100% true. Uh, and there are people outside the Christian faith who were alive at that time who said, yes, these things happened. They're recorded. John's gospel and several other gospels record the different people that interacted with Jesus after his resurrection. Uh, several of the gospel accounts even say uh, that some doubted. They doubted that the person they were seeing was really Jesus. Well, why include that information if that wasn't really something that happened? Why include that little, that little tidbit, that little line if that wasn't happened? I would love to be able to say that last week you guys learned about why and how you can trust the Bible, uh, but you'll have to come back next week uh, to go deeper with Pastor Jeff and answer that question because that was the question we were supposed to answer last week. Can you, can you trust the Bible? Can, can you take it for what it says? And so as you get to, get to come back next week and hear a little bit more about that one, so I don't want to spend any more time on that one than we already have tonight. But then the second thing is science can only test for natural causes. Just because miracles cannot be proven by science does, doesn't mean that they don't exist or that a given miracle wasn't real. Just because you can't sit there and test and say, no, that because of this theory or because of this law or because of this rule, that could happen, that doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Now, obviously, we see some very specific miracles throughout Scripture. We can have a much longer discussion about what we see are truly miracles today and not just God's natural order happening the way that he's designed our bodies to work, the way that he's designed this world to work. Uh, but you can certainly see throughout Scripture miracle after miracle that God uh, brings about for his people from, from the Exodus uh, all the way to his son's resurrection. See, for all of us, the existence of God isn't a matter of science, it's a matter of faith. Uh, even for the individual who doesn't doesn't yet believe that God exists, or even for the individual who believes that God, God isn't real or that God can't be personal. Uh, the existence of God is a matter of faith for each and every one of us. Uh, and I would guess that if I ask each of you to come up to the microphone tonight and share your faith story, um, probably not any of you, it would be because of the, the result of some scientific equation. Uh, it would be the result of something personal that happened in your life. Uh, a time in your life young, old, middle-aged, where you realized that you were a sinner 
and you needed a savior. And God used the power of the Holy Spirit to show you that. God used the Holy Spirit working through somebody speaking at a church, at a vacation Bible school. For me, it was at a Royal Ambassadors camp in Northeast Texas uh, when I realized that for the first time that I needed Jesus Christ uh, to be my Lord and Savior. And so faith goes outside of science and more into philosophy where we, we start to get into learning about ways of thinking, uh, not just what to think because this can be proven to be true or this can be proven to happen in this way. We start to, to start to understand the way the world works. And then that faith helps us form a worldview. That faith helps us form a worldview that's filtered through Scripture, a biblical worldview, or even more specific, a Christian worldview, as opposed to the other worldviews that there might be that believe something differently about science and about the creation of the world than we do. And obviously, one miracle specifically is the miracle of the resurrection. I've kind of touched on that already, that the Bible depicts the account with incredible detail, uh, even noting that some who saw Jesus after his resurrection doubted that it was him and they wrestled with that. Some, he showed them his wounds and his hands and his feet, showed them the scars that were there, spent time with them in, the, in those, that period of time before he ascended into a heaven and gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we see that on the question of miracles being scientifically impossible, that, that if someone says, well, no, you can't, you can't prove that that did happen. And our response to them, while it sounds simple, is, is, is really powerful. Is that well, you, you can't prove that it didn't happen. And there's enough evidence for a number of these, these miracles in Scripture that they certainly did happen. And the fate of the world is different because of that. And I hope that you are thankful uh, for that this, this evening. The second thing that we see is that on science being in conflict with Christianity. Uh, just take a look at the list on the front page there. Those names that, that we read through to start. Uh, a kind of a who's who uh, of scientists uh, throughout history. All with some bent towards believing in God or practicing Christianity or being leaders in their church or their faith community and making a difference in the world and, and being geniuses certainly, uh, knowing far more than any of us in this room could probably ever hope to learn in a lifetime. Uh, but yet they, they all found uh, belief in the existence of God to be a true thing and to practice Christianity. The second thing is I think that, that we could argue and you could respond to somebody in this way that Christians, we can believe in evolution um, as a process while also not believing that everything evolved from nothing. Uh, we can believe in the fact that we're probably a little bit different today than our ancestors were a few generations ago and a few generations before that. And we can see different living things that go through a process of evolution. But to say that everything came from nothing uh, on a scientific scale, science shows that much in our world has evolved over time. But, but I would think that really you, it's, it's hard to trace that back to one single source. Where we started tonight that foundation that God created the heavens and the earth. And that single source of creation that this world is looking for, we as Christians know that as our Heavenly Father, the God who has creation in every part of His DNA, every part of who He is. And then the third thing, Christianity being in conflict with science, I think is more a result of a culture war than anything else. Attacking the faith of Christians, attacking the faith of Christianity has given scientists a power hold in this regard over the culture. In some cases, it's even led to evil being done. 
Uh, a few weeks ago, we, we talked about and we heard about the, the wrestled with the question of the evil that's been done in the world in the name of Christianity. And that can be an argument that can be thrown at us as believers. Well, over history, this church has done this and this church has done that. And this church has harmed this group of people in some way. Well, well others have done that in the name of science, too. Uh, because as we know, the reality is evil is present in the world. Uh, sin is present in this world. This world is broken and needs, and needs repair and needs fixing. And we find that repair and fixing in and through the person of Jesus Christ. And then the last one, uh, just another name that's not been mentioned is, is, is Tim Keller highlighted Francis Collins' conversion from atheism to Christianity. Uh, we know his name probably most recently from, from, from COVID uh, world and the director of the National Institutes of Health. Uh, before that, he's been involved in the Human Genome Project as well. And Keller writes that he believes that the fine-tuning, the beauty, the order of nature point to a divine creator. So what Richard Dawkins said couldn't exist does in the person of Collins, along with many, many others, that there can be somebody at the very top of the scientific world uh, who, who does believe in God and has trusted Jesus as their Savior. And then that third argument that some might have, that, that objection that, that science disproves Christianity, is that evolution disproves the Bible, specifically the creation story. And so again, another question as you're, as you're talking to an individual, what, what do you believe about the Bible? Well, now I ask them, well, what, what do you believe about the creation story? And, and much like is the case with we have the beginning, we also have the end. Uh, what's going to happen uh, in, in the details, the events that, that are accounted for uh, in, in God's revelation to John? Uh, what's going to happen in the end times? There are many different schools of thought and inter interpretations of how that's playing out or how that will play out. The same is true about creation. There are many different interpretations across the span and scope of Christianity about the creation account. But I want to tell you a couple of things that, that I think are true about the creation story. Uh, Tim Keller says it this way, that Genesis chapter 1 displays the wonder and meaning of God's creation. Uh, this is the most incredible thing that's ever happened in this world. That God deserves to be worshipped and to be praised because of what He created. That all creation points to Him in Scripture, throughout Scripture, especially in the Psalms, talk about God as our Creator and, and seeing God in creation. That they're, they're fingerprints of God all throughout our creation. And Genesis chapter 2 is an account of how that happened. I may get myself in a little bit of trouble for this one, but I'm going to say this. Point C there, no one position on creation is necessary for salvation, just that God did it. If we can start there, uh, then we can work with an individual. We can work with somebody who's maybe unsure about what has happened between creation and today. But if we can start with the fact that God created this world and God set this world into motion, uh, then we can help them wrestle with two more important questions. Who was Jesus and did he rise from the dead? I think those are two really important things because if you understand who Jesus is and you come to know who Jesus was and you come to understand and know and believe that he did rise from the dead, then I think we've got, got some ground, some fertile ground to work with to move a person uh, from just knowing that my, God might exist uh, to walking into a personal relationship with him. And so two more things that I want to share with you uh, straight from Scripture. 
They're there in your notes if you want to read along with me. The first one is, is later in Genesis chapter 1. reads this way, So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. And I think that's so important for two reasons. One, it gives us identity. It gives us as God's most special creation. It gives us identity that we are His because He's put His image on us. And if we have part of Him in us, then something that He's created that we may feel like we're not supposed to understand, He's given us the ability to understand that. And that's why science is important. That's why mathematics is important. That's why English language arts is important. As much as my sixth grade son hates it, it's why it's important. Because we learn about the world. We, we learn about the world that, that we live in today, and we learn about the past, and we use that information to inform us about the future, about where God is leading us and calling us. But then I think the second thing that, that, that we see is, is, is not just that, that God has put His image inside of us, that, that we have a, a piece of God in us, but, but I think that, that God has shows us through different details, different small details all throughout creation. Things we can see uh, in nature, all the way to things you have to see under a microscope, uh, that God created this world and designed it perfectly uh, according to His plan and direction. And, and Colossians 1, chapter 16 and 17 are one verse that point to this uh, being something that I think is true for, for, for our lives. It says this, talking about the person of Jesus Christ, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. For by Him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. So if we believe as Christians, if we believe that, that God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were present at creation, and we believe this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 to be true, that God created everything in heaven and on earth, everything we see, everything we don't see, everything that's in this world, they were created through and for Jesus, that Jesus is before all things, He is the first, He is most important, and He is holding all things together. Then, then I think that you and I most certainly can say uh, with, with, with no reservation uh, that science doesn't disprove Christianity at all. And in fact, I think it's the opposite. I think science helps prove what we know to be true about our Christian faith. I think that science helps us. So I think it's a healthy thing. We want to wrestle uh, definitely with some of the tough questions. We, you know, we want to, to delve deep and to learn more about the creation story and how we're made. And so I want, you, I want to help you do that right now. I'm going to give you permission to take out your smartphone, and I want to do a little experiment today. Does anybody have a problem if we go to Google.com? Is that okay? Can we do that? Go to Google. Go to Google. And in that little search bar, type in this. Type in laminin. L-A-M-I-N-I-N. Anybody heard of laminin before? Anybody haven't heard of laminin before? All right, anybody getting it? Is it coming up? We're probably all on the Wi-Fi at the same time and it's clogging it up. All right, when you get, anybody got laminin pulled up on their phone? All right, click images. 
Hold up your phone. You got the images there. What does that look like? What does that look like? Who knows what laminin is? It's a protein that holds molecules together. Verse 17 of Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, All things were created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Now, I don't know that, I mean, Wikipedia, Wikipedia, Cell Press, Answers in Genesis, that is a Christian website, sciencedirect.com. I mean, you, you pull out a, a, a high-level biology book and, and look up Lamin, and you're going to see these little crosses there. Uh, now, I don't know about you, but uh, there are probably at least one or two uh, Christian sci- or non-Christian scientists who edited a biology book who okayed a page for a picture uh, of something that holds molecules together that looks like a cross. Now, whether or not they know what Colossians chapter 1, verse 17 says or not, I don't know. Uh, but that, that is just, to me, just one very small, very anecdotal, but I think very powerful testimony to the fact that, that God has thought about everything. Uh, there are answers to questions that we will probably never have this side of eternity. Diagnosis to diseases that have no cures. Why does that happen? How does that happen? Science can explain what it does to the body how to treat it, how to mitigate it, how to prolong life. I know there have been massive breakthroughs in cancer research in the last few years and things that, that are happening in the scientific world that are incredible, and there are Christians at the forefront of all of that. Uh, but there are going to be so many questions that when our physical lives end, this world as we know it ends, Christ returns, our heavenly kingdom time begins, whatever that looks like, whatever, however that process happens, there are going to be things that we're going to we're going to have questions that are unanswered. Uh, but there, there are evidences all around us of God's existence in this world, of God's presence in our lives. And so I think about the thing that, that you and I must do in a conversation w- with an individual. Because I will admit to you that I try to take as little science class as possible. Um, I made sure that I passed one AP science class in high school. That way I didn't have to take any science at all in college. And I went to Baylor, so I'm guessing the science class wouldn't have been that challenging there, if you know what I'm saying. Now, some of you may think that Baylor's a little bit liberal, but we're moderate at best some days. But I will say this. I will say this, that I enjoy talking with people uh, who know a lot about science. Some of them are sitting in this room. Uh, Some of them know a lot more than I'll ever know about science. Uh, But even more than that, the Christians I know that are scientists know a lot more about God's Word, and they know God personally, and they know God in a better way than even they know science. And they let that inform their research, they let that inform their experiments, their medical practice, their their, their science lessons at the school or the university they teach at, they let that inform who they are and what they do. Uh, see, generations ago, uh, it became real popular to separate your life into different segments. And, and religion, your religion was just a part 
uh, uh, who you were and your job was a part of who you were and your, your, your family was a part of who you were. Uh, but, but if we truly want to walk with and be the believers that God has called us to be, then our walk with Christ has to inform everything that we do. It is not a part of our lives. It is our life. And then our family, how we interact with our family, how we interact with our friends, our community, how we wrestle with science, how we wrestle with some of these other questions that we're going to look at that as these weeks go on. All of that is informed uh, by our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So I would encourage you, if you have an opportunity to engage someone who is coming at you from this perspective, well, those miracles, that miracle of the, of the resurrection, that's scientifically impossible. That could not have happened. There's no way you can prove that that did happen. But what if it did? You know, ask that person, what if it did? How would your life be different if it did happen? What would you need to change? Because uh, for us as believers, uh, we know that it did happen and we're going to live our lives for the Lord. And we're going to do the things that He's called us to do to be faithful, to be obedient in light of that. And so our lives are changed and are different because of that. But how would, how would that person's life have to change? Steer that conversation to a personal level. You know, when, when you can't answer a question scientifically, where do you go? When you're at the end of, of, of your rope in a personal situation, you have nowhere else to turn, where, where can you go? Ask that person, ask that individual that. Not, not in a threatening, offensive kind of way, but a genuine, empathetic way. And that gives you an opportunity, as we've done tonight, for several on our prayer list. I know especially some of our non-members on the prayer list, many of them are not believers. Many of them are not a part of a local church, and we have an opportunity to lift them up in prayer. And so I think that as you... As you begin to wrestle with these questions and learn, uh, don't be afraid of science. Don't be afraid of people who, who attack Christianity and say it's not true because science says so. Uh, because uh, we know the author and perfecter of our faith. Uh, and we know the one who created this world. And we know that to be true. And so I would hope that you would, would, would rest in your, your being created in God's image and that you would know that God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, is, is holding creation together and that there's evidence of God's handiwork all around us. And, and, and just encourage you, as you respond to those in your life and those in this world that maybe, maybe don't think the same way we do about science and about Christianity, uh, that you would engage them on a personal level and help bring it from a, a scientific discussion uh, to a personal one, uh, to one that really truly makes a difference in their life. Let me pray for you before we go. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be here tonight. We thank you for the way that you know, know each one of us personally. Thank you for the way that you've put your image on us, on each person in this world. You've created us to be like you. And that even though we fail and we fall and we fall short of your glory, that you've sent your son Jesus to die for, for us. And we thank you and praise you for that this evening. And pray that as we have opportunities to engage uh, people around us in, in defense of our faith, that you would continue to help us to do so with wisdom, uh, with empathy, with love. And give us the knowledge we need to answer genuine questions that people might have, but also give us a heart for those around us that may, may believe something totally different than we do. Uh, give us the patience to walk through long conversations with them over time, to, to be there alongside them in, in, in sorrow and tragedy and, and triumph and all in between. Uh, but most importantly, help us in those conversations to point it to Jesus, to point it to the one that holds all creation together. We thank you for him. 
And we pray all this in his name. Amen.